Ovviamente Florenzi, eccolo il cross tagliato di testa che da Entertainment capital of the world. What a strike! What a goal! What a comeback! What a game! There are no words to describe it! It's the TC Martin Show. Les Georges, mais cette fois-ci, il n'y en a pas pour Marco Reus. Très fort devant le but! Prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Largo pifio. Messi la tiene. Messi, Messi, Messi. Ahí está Iniesta. Gol! 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 Cerebro! Cerebro! Cerebro Iniesta! The doctor is now in. Certain show opens that just get you pumped up, revved up, fired up, ready to go. Special of Wild Wacky Wednesday. Wild and Wacky Wednesday? I, I think we now wait, added wait. Wacky to it. What, what kind of Wednesday is it? A Wild and Wacky Wednesday. You like that? What did you do, record I that? I do. Is that what you did? No, I just, I just liked it. Oh, okay. Like it so much. There it is. You never know what you're going to get. Be careful what you wish for. As Big Bill Cartwright says, it's like the USF Dons. You don't know what you're going to get. It's like a box of chocolates. There you go. Speaking of box of chocolates, I did go to a movie. I did go to a movie. No I, I, I give my movie review. So you're going you like chocolate that? instead of popcorn? No, 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 no. I, 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 I know what you're meaning, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, box of chocolates... Forrest Gump, Tom Hanks. I know if you were going to say a man know, called like, Otto Le- eating some disgusting oh, ass raisinets. Oh, okay, okay. I do have you. Know, yeah, I do have a popcorn story. <laughs> I do have a popcorn story. I forgot all about that. Give me the popcorn story. It's hold, fu- it's hold fun. on. Oh, no. Well, can I even set up the show before we just dive into no, this? No, we're going popcorn story. Really? Okay. <sighs> let's let's set this up. All right. So Numchuck and I were talking earlier today about okay, when we're setting up the show and you know. Pack show again, guest driven show today, 2.30 today. We got Trevor Maddich talking the NFL playoffs. Obviously, we're going to talk a lot about both games. Patrick Mahomes, we're going to hear from him today. We've got all that going on. Three o'clock, Kevin Kruger, UNLV gets victory last night back in the wind column against Wyoming. Go run a Rebels. Uh, Scott Savloff is going to join us, our golf guru today at 3.30. Oh, yeah, that'll be good, as Numchuck is now just putting away the... Because you know you can just, like, kick back now, right? Yeah. That, that'll go, you know, crazy as is, because, of course, we've got news with the PGA Tour, Rory McIlroy, uh, and Liv, so that, that'll, that'll be good. So we were talking earlier and said, okay, it is, it is a wacky, wild Wednesday, so, you know, in the first segment, what, what are you going to hit on that's going to be wacky and wild? I go, what makes you think I got something that's wacky and wild? So I don't know. And then all of a sudden now you just hit me with movies and popcorn and chocolate and whatever. So I guess we'll go there. But anyway, yes, that's your show day. That's the show. Love it. As George and Jerry said, that's the show. 
There it is. It's a right. show about nothing. That's <laughs> yeah. But we got something, man. We got something, of course. All right. So a lot to cover, a lot to do. All right. Now you're asking me something about what but I had to just, you know, set the show up briefly. You said you had a popcorn story. Popcorn story. Popcorn. That's right. So um you know how I love going to the movies. See? And a shout out, of course, you know, to our, our great friends over at the, uh, the Brendan Theaters at the Palms. They do a fantastic job. And again, we, we love uh, supporting them. They support us. Uh, it, it's a great relationship. So, you know, when I can get out to a movie, I want to make sure that I go over there because, um, I, I love the theater. I love the seats. Uh, you know, the sound is fantastic. And the popcorn is spectacular because I'm a popcorn guy, and it's a Pepsi house too. Oh, yeah. Frank would not like that. Nope. I understand that he would he would refuse to go, or he would probably try to sneak in his own Coca Cola. He'd be sneaking, which in he did at Freddy's and some other places. By the way, there you go. Hear that sound? You hear that wonderful sound of popcorn? That's the sound that I was hoping to hear from last night. I never heard that sound, Num Chuck. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. Is oh, right. No. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, now people know that I am a because uh, I've talked about this, or if you've been to the movies with me, uh, I'm a creature of habit. So my routine is as follows: if I'm going to a movie, say for example at seven o'clock, got you. I'm going to go to a seven o'clock movie. I am going to make sure that I get to the theater. You, are you writing this down? I, I'm taking notes. I, I'm, I'm writing your movie schedule for you. It's very important, okay? So I make sure that I get to the venue at approximately 6.45, okay? 15 to 20 minutes in advance, I get there. Now, some people, like the last time I was there, will think I'm a little bit strange because I got there a little bit early, and there was no line to get my popcorn, your, because I don't want to get the popcorn too early. Do not want to get it. Because I am one that has to have, call me a snob or whatever. That's fine. I'm a seat snob. I'm a food snob. I'm a date snob. You know, on my items, when I go grocery shopping, especially, you know, you know, milk and cereal and that kind of thing, right? I'm a popcorn snob. All right. And I want hot, fresh popcorn. Because it says, you know, when you're watching previews, or the trailers ahead of time, it always says, right? Let's all go to the lobby. That's right. Let's hot fresh popcorn lobby. says on the screen. Let's so I want hot fresh popcorn. To get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. Do they say hot fresh popcorn? popcorn? Can't be beat. Popcorn can't be beat, baby. It can't be. That's why we go to the movies. Play it simple, right? The chocolate bar. But I do not want popcorn that's been sitting under a light for a half hour, an hour, six hours. I don't want it. Okay? That's not hot fresh popcorn. Especially at the prices that they are charging you for popcorn, right? That's what is it now? Like thirty bucks about thirty bucks? I go Coke and popcorn. It's it's it, it you know, especially with Brendan's pretty good. It's like six bucks for a soda, and it's like eight fifty for like the the large popcorn, which not isn't bad. bad. Not it's, bad at all. Yeah, because a lot of places are twelve and thirteen, fourteen yep. bucks. It's it's pretty ridiculous, right? So you figure you're gonna be into it for a twenty dollar bill for popcorn and a drink or soda. Now a lot of people like to do the beer and the wine, that kind of stuff, because most theaters have that now. That's not me. All right, so anyway, um, so yeah, so I do my plan, and I get there last night, you know, 15 minutes ahead of time, 
and no one's in line. So now I'm looking at my clock, my watch, right? Clock, whatever you want to say. And so when I went a couple weeks ago, I had to stall. I did not want to go to the line. Literally, I did this. You could probably picture this. So people are coming in, right? And I'm looking, it's like, okay, it's not, not, not 10 minutes to previews yet. Not 10 minutes. Okay. So, uh, oh, uh, you go ahead of me. All right. What? Oh, thank you. Uh, you go ahead of me. Not, nah, I still got to kill six minutes. Uh, you go ahead of me. Yeah. And the reason being, when I go up and I order and I said, yeah, I'll have a large popcorn, you know, Pepsi. Now, can you please, um, make me some hot, fresh popcorn? And 90% of the time they go, no problem, sir. We've got that for you. No problem. But once in a while, there's like last night. Yeah, we already popped some, sir. So, um, probably not going to be able to do that. Well, you guys always do it. You know, you do advertise hot, fresh popcorn. And yeah, I mean, there's a difference. Now, they agreed to do it. And it was right on my time slot, you know, right there at 15 minute mark. Go then order because I know my 10 minute mark is because it takes them 10 minutes to make the popcorn. How do I know this? Because I've been through this so many times, right? So the first thing is you go over and they flip on the switch. You get the flip, right? Exactly. You get the the flip. Now that has to warm up. Okay. To whatever temperature they do popcorn in. All right. And then once it goes ding, then they go over and they have the pre-measured popcorn. You know, in the scooper, and then they go to the scoop and, yep. and it starts scooping. So now I know, now I'm five minutes to lift off. Okay. And then I know in about three minutes and 40 seconds, I'm going to get the, you know, this might not sound good on, on the sound effects, but the or whatever it is, you know, I know you probably found a good sound effect. <laughs> so anyway, so I know that's going to be happening. So now I'm looking at the clock and I'm saying, they haven't poured the popcorn yet. They haven't done it. What's going on? So, and the guys, there's two guys that are working there, right? And they're walking around casually. I go, did you turn on the machine? They go, oh, yeah, we turned it on. Guy walks in the back, gets an icy slurpy for somebody else. Meanwhile, you're getting ahead because this isn't happening right now. It's not happening. All right? We're still on. The machine's on. They say it's on. It's doing this, right? But I can't even hear that. So what do they do? I said, are you sure you turn it on? He goes, yeah, turn it on. So the guy walks over to the machine. And what does he do? Touches it gingerly. I've been using that word a lot lately. I gingerly. gingerly with his hand. You know, like, and he goes, ouch, ouch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on. It's on. Okay. And the guy says, but I didn't hear it go ding. I don't know what to tell you. So now the other guy goes over there. And he touches it. Yep, yeah, 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 it's on. But they still haven't started pouring the popcorn yet. Like, what's the deal Is here? Is there not a better way to see that it's I, on I, I, than going, <laughs> ouch, ouch, right? Ah, right? Ah. You would think, right? But for some reason, this isn't happening. And now it's like three minutes to preview time or trailer time. Call oh, it whatever no. you want, oh, right? No. But, you know, here's the deal with that. I'm not one of those guys that needs to see the trailers. Because I go to the movies often enough. I see them. That's, I don't care. It's really not that big a deal to me. But I will not miss that opening scene. I can't do it. All right? And then, you know, so what I love about this theater, too, is when you go in early, 
You know what you get? The beat. No, you don't get the beat, but close second. Close second. But what you do here on the beat, very good. You know where I'm going with music. You get Chardet. That's what you get. You get Chardet. And you get the same Chardet songs in rotation. It doesn't matter what theater you go to. You're going to get Smooth Operator. I mean, you're going to get several of the Chardet songs. You know, Hang On to Your Love, one of my all-time favorites. And then so that's I'm going good. Except I don't want to be in that theater with Chardet playing when I already have my popcorn because I want to start eating my popcorn at the beginning of the movie, not at the beginning of the previews. Okay, yeah, this is it. This is, this is exactly what's going on. This is exactly what's going on. And I'm the only one in the theater. Nine times out of ten, it's beautiful. All right. So are you like just having a dance fest while you're the only one? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But last night I get none of it. You know why? Because I wasn't in the theater, because I'm sitting there waiting for the popcorn that never popped. So I missed the Chardet, all right? I missed the first probably four previews. Why? Because I see these guys trying to touch the thing, and they're going to burn themselves. So finally, it's three minutes to showtime. And I go, you know my movie's getting ready to start. We're sorry, sir. We're sorry. Uh, so they start huddling. Well, oh, no, now what are they going to do? Huddle. And meanwhile, there's like 20 things of popcorn that are under the lights. Don't you dare reach for that. And I've already paid and yep. nothing. I don't have my, my Pepsi yet. You know why? Because they, they're waiting. Exactly. Because I asked them to wait because they like to give it to you right away. Yep. Then it gets all watery. I, I have to have the fresh hot popcorn and I have to have the Pepsi. Such a diva. Where, yeah. It has a... I got sound effect. That's good. Yeah. I like yeah. I like the bubbles. So anyway, I'm all ready. I got my salt. I got my napkins. I've got I'm missing Chardet. This kills me. Uh and You're I got my strawberry to go. Worry. So it's now two minutes to movie time. And now it's past movie time. And I'm sitting there waiting for this thing to pop. And they still haven't poured the popcorn in. I go, that's it. I, I'm about ready to just say, give me my money back and punt. But no. I want to see the movie. I want my popcorn. So finally the guy says, Sir, tell me which theater in Citroen and we'll deliver it to you. Now, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking, this sounds great. This has happened before. But they're going to pull it out of there. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. You know where I'm going with that. There's no popcorn to be made. This machine isn't even working. That's why I've got 20 bags sitting under this lamp. And how long have they been in there? Who knows? So I play the game, and I'm ready, Numchuck. I'm ready for them either not to deliver my popcorn, but they know me. I'm a regular, so I figured you know, they'll do that, even though I really haven't seen this crew too much. So they were having problems. They couldn't get couldn't figure it out. So I'm going like, I'm just ready. So when he does bring me the popcorn, if that popcorn tastes a little bit stale, I'm charging back. I'm charging back like that Red Bull, you know, in the opening scene of season two, episode one of Your Honor. Yeah, Brian Cranston, that bull coming at you. Anyway, I'm ready, man. So, sure enough, last preview is just getting done, and here comes this jabroni in with the popcorn and my soda. I said, okay, thank you very much for that. And he's got it filled to the brim, right? Of course he does. First, I take a couple top top ones. I go in. Uh, I don't know how hot and fresh, but the bag is hot. It's warm, so yeah. So you could tell, right? So I'm thinking. I've seen him do this before. That they like go and they top it off 
with, with stuff that's been there. Yeah. You know, at the bottom of the thing. So, okay, I'm good with it. So I'm eating the popcorn, eating the popcorn. I'm going, something still isn't right here. You know what was wrong with the popcorn? No butter? No, no, I don't do butter, by the way. I don't do butter. I'm not a butter guy. I know, I'm strange. I know, I know, I know. I'm a salt guy. Um, it's, it's extra salty too. It's extra salty, but I could taste it. It's like a little burned. You know why it's burnt? Cause it's been, it was sitting in the bottom of that yeah. while it was heating. Probably, right? Exactly. Because they probably got the thing too hot and the dinger didn't work and they usually go ding and they put it in. So it probably popped too fast and got a little burn, it, but it wasn't burned, you know, to the blackness or the Christmas, the, the crispiness that you see that you can visually see. So it was okay. Uh, but the popcorn was okay. So I did get my popcorn, but it was just kind of a weird scenario that I never had to go through that before. All right. Crazy. I saw a man named Otto. I thought Otto was good. I wanted to see it. You know, Tom Hanks. Um, I saw in the opening credits that there was another Hanks in there. And I go, wait a minute. This has got to be obviously his son. And I knew, I knew Colin Hanks because Colin Hanks went, I might have told that story before. He went to the school where I was coaching basketball ADF back in the day. So I go, is this Colin's kid or is this who's it? So I later find out that it's uh, Truman Hanks, which is Tom Hanks's other son. And so there's a series of flashbacks and it is Otto as a youngster played by Truman Hanks, which is kind of cool. So, and later I found out that Tom Hanks got a lot of grief for nepotism for putting his kid in this movie. So if anybody knows the man uh, called Otto, it's based off of a Swedish, I guess, film or book, you know, going back into 2014, 2015, something like that. Uh, and again, I like to go into a movie not knowing too much, yeah. you know, the surprise factor, but I've seen this preview because usually I get my popcorn and I get the Charday and I get to see Otto because it's always one of the previews yeah. the last month or so I've been watching. So I got a good idea what it's all, all about. So yeah. So I, I liked the movie. It was good. Tom Hanks was great. It did start off kind of slow and they had some characters in there that seemed like they were like really doofuses. Like this guy, Jimmy, who's the neighbor, and he's wearing the same Fila sweatsuit over and over like he never had a change of clothes. That was weird. He was going overboard with his walks around, you know, the neighborhood and, you know, goofy like the, the, you know, the John Cleese silly walk. I mean, he's doing that. I just didn't kind of get that, you know. Um, not to be too much spoil alert, but I'll be spoil alert, you know. Don't do it. Okay, not spoil alert. Don't do it. Okay. But anyway, there's some scenes in there that you you are kind of predictable. And then the last 30 minutes, it kind of picked up and it all kind of came together. It was good. You know, when Hollywood tells you to cry, you usually cry. I didn't necessarily cry, but people in the theater were crying. You could feel it. It was a good emotional story. It was good. So I give Otto, give Otto about a seven and a half or an eight. Yeah. Uh, Truman was also in News of the World with Tom Hanks in 2020. There you go. See? So he's, yeah. he's done it before. So, yeah. But he's, if you look at a lot of online stuff, there's a lot of ripping of Tom yeah. Hanks, you know, for, for nepotism with that. But, uh, Otto's good. It's strong. Um, Julie Jewell said Wales was the whale was the best movie she ever saw. Brendan Fraser. I, I, I don't know if it's still at the theater. So I'm kind of mad that I missed that. Uh, she said just game changer. Life changer. Got to see Whale. And we know Brendan Fraser was blackballed, you know, for his situation with Harvey Weinstein and all that sort of thing. So I want to see that. Missing is one that I want to now kind of see. You know, Nia Long's in there. Still looking good, by the way. I, again, only saw the preview and the trailers with that. 
Um, that was the tail end of the the last one I saw last yeah. night. So yeah. So on a scale of mm-hmm. under the palm tree to Pulp Fiction, <laughs> oh, where does this go? Uh, under the palm tree at the bottom. <laughs> Pulp Fiction, obviously the zenith at the top. Uh, Otto's in the middle. Okay, in the middle, or or you know maybe you know seventy. Eight percent okay. up there. So no, Otto's good. Otto, Hanks is good. It's a good story. You know, like, again, you got to if you're looking for action adventure, forget. That. Hey, here's what I'll say about Otto. This here's your spoil alert. Ready for this one? You don't get this every day, my friend. I don't know why I noticed these things, but I noticed it like after I left the theater. Not one f bomb, not one GD, which I can appreciate. That seems not to one. be very Tom Hanks ish. Does it? Yeah, like there's maybe not, you're right. Forest. Not really, besides like other people. Okay. Okay. But, like that's the only thing I can really think of. But in the last, you know, four, five, six years, I mean, come on, every movie has s- something, something like slip. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no nudity, there's no F bombs, there's no GDs, or oh, none I won't of that see stuff. It then. No, yeah, you're out. You know, that's it. But a man named Otto. I like Otto. And I love the Ottoisms because that's all me. I mean, there, there's some similarities. You know what I thought I was watching? I thought I was watching the progressive TV uh, commercials. That's what I thought. I thought I was looking at Dr. Rick. There it is. You know, acting like your parents. I was going on there. All right. There you go. Patrick Mahomes. All right. Uh, we got plenty to talk about NFC, uh, an AFC uh, conference championship games day. We'll diagnose that for you, but we did hear from Patrick Mahomes today. And the Patrick Mahomes update is, as we know, remember last week, he suffered the high ankle sprain in the first quarter in the 27 20 victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars. A lot of nervous Chiefs fans in that game. Chad Henney, uh, came out, led the 98 yard touchdown drive. Uh, that was great. As we know, Kansas City hung on for the victory. Today, Patrick Mahomes spoke and actually said that he is feeling better. And here's what Patrick said about how's he feeling. It's doing good. You know, I've had a few days of treatment, a few days of rehab. Uh, excited to get on the practice field and kind of test it out uh, and uh, see where I'm at. But uh, it's feeling good so far. Patrick Mahomes says he's feeling better. All right. He spoke with the media for the first time today. Here's what uh, Patrick had to say regarding the treatment since uh, he suffered the injury last Sunday. Yeah, I was able to do some extra testing just to make sure everything was good, uh, not after the game, and then get a few things done uh, to help the treatment kind of start off. And then the next few days has just kind of been, I mean, all-day thing where you're just doing either treatment or rehab or watching film. And uh, I, I had to take Brittany a few places with me so I can be around the kids a little bit. But uh, it's a full-day thing where you're trying to make sure that you're obviously prepared for the Bengals and the great football team uh, mentally and physically. Patrick Mahomes talking about uh, getting ready for this game against uh, Cincinnati coming up this weekend. All right. Patrick Mahomes also talking about the severity of this injury and how it uh, compares to his past injuries. Uh, probably my toe would probably be the, the toughest injury. I remember when I had the toe, I was like having to, I had to curl my toes when I walked. So that was probably the, the toughest injury that I, I had to play through. Um, but I've dealt with a lot of them, man. And, uh, you kind of have to mentally just get yourself to focus on what needs to be focused on. And that's the team that you're playing and you prepare your body all week. And then when you get to Sunday, uh, you focus on playing the football game. And, uh, that's what I'm going to try to do this week. All right. Patrick Mahomes, uh, talking about that. And as we know, that the Kansas City Chiefs are an underdog in this game. Okay. As of yesterday, it was three. Obviously, we knew this was going to happen. We talked about it in the last couple of days that uh, once word gets out that he's back practicing, uh, the Chiefs will probably go back, maybe even be in a favorite. But right now, they are still an underdog. Here's Mahomes talking about being an underdog for the first time 
at home in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, every time I walk on that field, I don't, I don't think I'm an underdog, especially when I walk on Arrowhead's field. So uh, I just go in with the same mindset of we're going to have to play our best football to win. Uh, we know we're playing a great football team that's beat us the last three times. Um, and so we have to learn from our mistakes in the past and be better um, in order to, to win against a great football team. All right, that is Patrick Mahomes uh, addressing the media today, uh, getting ready to practice for the very first time. And which kind of Patrick Mahomes are we going to see? All right. How is the play calling going to be affected in this one? Because remember, in that game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, when he returned in the second half, Patrick Mahomes did not go outside of the pocket one time. He was relegated to hanging in the pocket, a lot of dink and dunks, a lot of handoffs. So we will see how that rehab is going. But Patrick Mahomes says today that he is ready to go. All right. The Guru, Big Al, is checking in. What is going on, my man? 85 and sunny, homie. <laughs> 85 and sunny, uh, not where I'm looking at, but that's okay. I got sunny. Big Al is calling us, I believe, from Costa Rica. No, Curacao. That's right, Curacao. And it's Little go. League Baseball already underway, Big Al. Little League Baseball is 24-7, 365 down here. <laughs> What's up, I Guru? Beef, I got a beef about, speaking of baseball, I got a little beef about the um, Hall of Fame. Oh, yes, we got the Hall of Fame. The where break, the break went. Hold on, Big Al. Let, hold on, hold on, Big Al. Let's, let's, let's let us break it down. Let's go breaking news here. Uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame that does come out today and announce it has only one member. Just one. Remember, baseball's a little bit goofy. You gotta get 75% of the vote. And that is Scott Rowland. You guys remember Scott Rowland, right? Uh, Insane. Scott Rowland. That's it, Big Al. That's it. Go ahead. Nice guy. Nice guy. Tough nosed player. Hard nosed player. Came to work every day. But they left the, they left the, the best player out there off the ballot once again. How could he not? How could this kid not be in the Hall of Fame? The greatest player ever to play in Curacao, Mr. Andrew Jones. <laughs> this is true. I mean, Andrew Jones has been snubbed over and over. Are people picketing there in the streets of Curacao? Are they in the Little League Diamonds? The Andrew Jones Field, one, two, three, four. Every field is named after Andrew Jones there. And remember, that's Andrew, A-N-D-R-U-W. Remember that. No, we've got plenty. We've got plenty of we got plenty of guys in the pros down here now. Doc, you know that as well as I do. Yeah. Ozzy Albies, Kenley Jansen, Jurisson Profar, you, you name it, the guys come from Curacao. Yeah. It's a hotbed for players. How about but Andrew Jones? Come on. How can you put Scott Rowland in and, and not Andrew Jones? Are you guys insane voters? Are they nuts? This is, this is amazing. The Big Al is calling us today uh, because Big Al, what we're going to play next, speaking of baseball, We've got a a great call coming your way, and you're going to appreciate this. Being the guru of professional wrestling, my sidekick for those all those great NWC broadcasts, we've got Ronald Acuna Jr. You know what he's been doing lately, don't you? He's been playing down in Venezuela. Are they a neighbor of yours? Anywhere near Venezuela? Is there a rivalry I'm between Curacao and Venezuela? I'm about, I'm about. We're about 40 miles away. 40 miles away! Look at this! And I know that you have introduced me to Miss Venezuela in 1993 on numerous occasions, so this is for her. Yes. Here we go. Ronald Cooney Jr. is in the championship game in Venezuela, 40 miles away from Big Al. Big Al, you may have heard this call last night. Última hora, entre y dos, y la volvió a dejar pasar. Y aquí... 
Atazo grande por el centerfield. Allá la bola se va, se va, se va, se va. Por Candela, señores. Ronald Acuña voló la cerca por el centerfield. Una más para la Guaira que ahora gana 5 a 3. Hoy no lo han hecho out a Ronald Acuña. Bueno, y ahora Acuña, ahora sí es verdad que de aquí para abajo las pistas van a ser. Unbelievable. Scott Rowland gets voted in, but Ron Sano doesn't. Are you kidding me? By the regular committee? Yeah. yeah. Hold on. There's some more bones to pick. How about Todd Helton? How about Billy Wagner? How about Andrew Jones? Come on, guys. What are you looking at? Uh, and you're right. Uh, What are you looking at? Billy Wagner, he was close. What, 68% of the vote? He was close. But yeah, those... Uh, I can... know Todd Helton. Todd Helton was close, too. Yeah. Todd Helton was like 72 and a half or something. 72 and change. And, and if you need a punter, Todd, Helton, Todd Helton's always good to, to punch you out, out, of, out of your own end zone if you need that as well, too, Big Al. As you well, know. That, well, you know, <laughs> that, uh, that's a, you know that's uh, that's Dion, that's Dion, Dion ish. Yeah, but, uh, Todd Helton, unbelievable. I, I just, I just, just, it just amazes me. What are these people? What do these guys vote on? I mean, how, what is the criteria? You got to have one of these morons come on and and explain why they do what they do. So here's the deal. Uh, we've talked about. You know, and I, I mean, we understand. Listen. You understand. You heard the. You you know the story about Ronnie Sano, right? Of course. Yes. But why he didn't get in. No, it's it's ridiculous. And he, tomorrow we're going to have Bob Nightingale on, speaking of which, okay? And 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 Bob's a voter. We're going to ask him about this, Al, tomorrow. You know, plain and simple. Yeah. Uh he he's, well, thank he's, you. he's a great guy. You know, I used to I I used to like number 8. I used to like number 8 in the Cincinnati and Astros jerseys. I used to like him until he what he did to Ronnie. Yeah. No good. Yeah, I understand. I understand. And All the right. guy was still and Ronnie was still alive. God bless him. Yeah. No, we love Ron Sanders. You know that's you. Nope. Unfortunately, T. Unfortunately, T. You're, that 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 hits close to the bone because you know he's my he's my idol in life. He's he's my guy. We talking about Big Al's got the number ten pajamas that he still wears to bed every night. The the, the ten pinstripe. Uh, there it is. And, and the ten and even in the even the, in the sixty nine powder blues. The sixty nine powder blues and the quadruple extra large. You got to like that. There it is. And and, and, and with, with the the powder blue uh, bonnet on top of the head too. When you go night night. There you go. With the, with, with the with the black cat walking in front of me. Yes. I was going to say that exactly. That's it. Who was the one at the uh, in 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 the cartoons Al that had that that had the the, the sleep night thing there? You know. Not, not, uh, Uh, you know, come on, come on, come on. Who, who is one of the, you know, next to the sweeper, right before the sweeper came on, the guy looked like it was, it was time to go night, night. Who was that? Oh, you're not talking about Aesop's table. No, you're talking about Aesop's fables. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was the guy with the sweeper. Yeah, I know the Aesop's sweeper. Fables. That was way back in Roman times. Those guys were those guys were in a toga party. They weren't wearing they weren't wearing cub baby blue. They weren't they were wearing, wearing togas. Nobody. One of those characters had like the night night hat on. You know, the night night with the little fuzzy ball at the top. That's what I'm talking about. Oh Jesus, you're cracking my memory here. <laughs> I know. Maybe it's me. I oh, lost Jesus. it. All right, brother, we got to get yeah. rolling. We got football to talk about. Hey, I appreciate you checking in today. Unabated to the quarterback. Had no idea. Big Al calling in, and then we got and the do, Ronald do yourself, Acuna do, Venezuelan highlight. Do yourself, do yeah. yourself a favor. Uh-huh. Do yourself a favor. I'll tell Kenley Jansen you said hello oh, yeah. before he goes before he goes to training camp. There you go. We, we see each other all the time. Perfect. But, but 
Go get some plus on the golden red, brother. <laughs> you're talking about the faithful, baby. You're talking about the Niner faithfuls, or you're talking about the gold rush, I'm Big Al. I'm not talking about that golden red. I'm talking about the, the real yellow and red. Come and get it. Casey? Right in the center of the country. Right in the center Casey of the country. Casey in the Sunshine Band? Baby. Are you talking Casey in the Sunshine Band? Are you talking Lamar Boogie Hunt. Shoes? Let's go. Bring back Lamar Hunt. Bring back Lenny Dawson. Bring back Otis Taylor. Who cares? Listen, Al, it's a red and gold Super Bowl. Remember that. All right? Red and gold Super Bowl. Remember that. That's what's happening, all right? There no, you no. go. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I'm on Rocky in the NFC. Yeah, well, good, good, good luck, Rocco. They look too, they look good, too luck. good. They beat they beat a bad team. They beat a bad team of the Giants. Don't get me wrong. It's how they beat them. They beat them in the submission. All right. Speaking of submission, man, there you go. There, one, two, three. No submission. Three count. Guru, we'll talk to you later, my friend. Appreciate you checking in. Do it more often. Ciao for now. There it is, my man. All right, Trevor Maddich is going to join us next, and we start breaking down both championship games on Sunday. Hey, this is Robert De Niro, and you're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. It's good. All right, don't forget to join us Friday at the Westgate of Las Vegas. Of course, our Friday home, the world-famous Superbook. See the show live 2 to 4 p.m. Best bet this week. Not S as in plural, but best bet. That's right. AFC, NFC Championship game. We break it down with our good friend right now, Trevor Maddich. What is going on, my friend? Mr. TC, I like that uh, that bump from Robert De Niro. So you would think that since he you know, was a boxer and raging bull and all that, that he'd know how to fight. Did he look like he knew how to fight? He looked like he knew how to fight, maybe a little bit in that movie. But, you know, later on, what was the one where – where he he it was uh, was a boxer again. It was like one of his last ones when he was seventy years old that we saw like four or five oh, years no, ago. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It's like did he fight Rocky or something? He, it was like yeah, it was something um, really really strange, and it was it was goofy. Yeah. But that one, you know, again, I get it. it's like you know they think that people love to come back and see you know hey you know Raging Bull back in the day and now the same actor forty years later it just doesn't have the same thing. Grudge match. Grudge match. Exactly. Yeah. Grudge match. Yeah, but, but these actors, man, in order to pull it off, they got to learn how to do it, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen so many football movies where you've got guys that, that you know, that are playing football players, but when it's time to do the practice and game stuff, you're looking at them shaking your head. You're thinking, there's no way this guy, no, no, right? And so, and then there's other ones that do a really good job. You know, and uh, and you could say, yeah, I could see that guy as a football player, but but with the actors learn how to do it. It's like Tom Cruise, you know, can can jump out of an airplane and do somersaults and all kinds of crazy tricks and pop the chute, you know, low over the ground and and hit the ground running, you know, that kind of a thing because he's had to do that in his movies. So I'm just wondering, I'm wondering if De Niro because I just heard that from De Niro, you know, and that was great. You got that and that he did that for you. I'm just wondering if he looked like he could fight because, man, in Raging Bull, he looked like he could fight. Right, right. And it's just like Michael B. Jordan with the Creed series, right? I mean, this guy is, he really trains hard and he is, you know, trained with, with, with,
with some of the best and, you know, my a very good friend, uh, Stitch Duran. Okay. He's one of the, the top cut men in all of, uh, the business has spent a lot of time, you know, with him and, and working with him in those Creed movies. And there's a guy, like you said, that, I uh, had very, very little, you know, boxing uh, acumen or experience at all. But I mean, you, you watch him in the Creed movies, think this guy's a boxer, you know, so there are guys that could pull it off. And here's what I always wonder, Trevor, you're sp- talking about big Hollywood stars, you know, Kevin Costner, I've seen Kevin Costner in so many movies from golfing to baseball, you know, specifically several baseball movies he's done. And you just wonder, hey, you know, Kevin Costner, does he really, he kind of looks like a pitcher, doesn't he? He kind of does. And then you saw Major League, right? Yes. Yeah. And so you got Wild Thing. You got uh, Charlie Sheen yeah. uh, pitching. I tell you what, man, he's got a he's got a motion that's got a lot of range of motion. You know, he doesn't look super stiff up there. You know, he looks like he could actually he could actually pitch the ball. Now, obviously not in the Major League level, but he looked like he could pull it off as an actor. Mm-hmm. And so I like it. And you're right, Kevin Costner, I mean, in, in Tin Cup. He looked like he could play golf. Anyway, so I was just, I was just wondering. Well, no, no, Stallone, yeah. you know he knows how to fight. Right, right, right? He right. has to know how to fight. Exactly. So d- here's the capper. You mentioned Charlie Sheen in, in Major League, so i got to share this story with you with uh, one of your fellow Sacramento Sports Hall of Famers, Chris Bosio. So Bosio had told the story um, to me in person as well on the air. And he said this, that he said during when they were filming Major League, you know, they filmed that in Milwaukee, even though it was, it, it was supposed to be uh, Cleveland. It, it wasn't. They filmed in Milwaukee and Charlie Sheen was sharing Chris Bosio's locker. So Bosio had told us and he said that you know, so that those guys would actually work out with those guys, with Corbin Burnson and this and that. And I asked him specifically about what you just said about Charlie Sheen. He goes, man, the guy can't throw it more than 60 miles per hour. So not so much. But Hollywood will do those type of things. But uh, it was funny but that they were you know, working out with those guys. And they were trying, like Charlie Sheen was trying to pick Bazio's brain and a lot of those guys on, on the pitching staff. Yeah, but and I, I, it doesn't surprise me that he couldn't throw a sixty. But at the same time, you just look at his motion. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Just yeah. His motion. So that was you, good. you could yeah. suspend disbelief and believe he could do it. Like in the longest yard in the remake with oh, Adam Sandler. Yeah, Sandler actually did a really good job. But at the same time, who's the running back? Was it Nelly? Yeah, um, I believe I think so. it was Nelly. Yeah, but see, yeah, if you if if you didn't expect him to make any quick bursts and you didn't really watch his feet. He was really smooth. Now, part of that was slow motion. They slowed him down, too, so he looked really smooth. But I remember the first time I saw that, I thought, you know what? This guy, Nelly, as an actor, can play the role. Not necessarily play running back in college, you know, or the pros, but he can play this role. But other guys, you see him play the role of an athlete, and it's like, no, please. Mm-hmm. You're, you're killing me with this guy. Trev, so you, you bring up The Longest it. Yard. You know, that's a sore subject with me because one of my all-time favorite movies was the original Longest Yard. So I can't watch that second garbage with Adam Sandler, Nelly. That was, it was, it was insulting, insulting to the, to the magnificent, uh, accomplishments and the cinematography and the writing, the directing of the original Longest Yard with Burt, Burt Reynolds. And as you know, and I thought you may know this, you know, they say Burt Reynolds played at Florida State. Okay, and he was in all those scenes, even though he was, I wouldn't say in an advanced age, 1974, during The Longest Yard. But what did you think of his performance? And and, oh, and, he was fantastic. and, and, and the other guys, because as you know, Ray Nitschke was in that movie. There are other guys that were in that movie as well, uh, former football players. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. He, he was fat, but you, you could tell he was an athlete, right? You could tell he was beyond an actor who could act well enough as an athlete 
that you could suspend disbelief and you could believe it. Burt Reynolds, I mean, he's just one of my favorite all-time actors anyway, just because he's so cool and so smooth. Um, you know, I, I haven't seen, I, like, I haven't seen North Dallas 40. I never saw Field of Dreams. So I could, you know, there, there's a whole bunch of sports movies that I've never seen, seen Field of Dreams. This is breaking no. news. What is wrong? I, I started to watch it one day when it popped up on the TV, and it started so slow to me that I just switched over to Shark Tank or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. Oh, I thought you were going to say maybe, you know, an old, uh, uh, you know, uh, edition of Soul Train or something like that. You're looking at that. No. There you go. No, but I'll tell you this though. Any given Sunday, which is the football movie with Al Pacino and LT was in it, Lawrence yep. Taylor and all that, there was a lot of goofy stuff there. And he yeah. gave the coach, Al Pacino, gave some speeches to the team that it's like the person who wrote this script had never had anything to do with football ever. Thank However, you. aside from that, there were things in that movie that, that made perfect sense to me and that I related to. Like when Lawrence Taylor sawed a guy's SUV in half with a chainsaw just to have the story. Right. Like happy to write the check to buy him a new, a new SUV, right? I could totally see that happening, totally. Yeah. And then, you know what? The Kevin Costner movie where he played a baseball player about to retire. Um, For the love of the oh, game. That, For the love of that, the game. Outstanding. That movie came out about the time that I retired from the NFL. And I sat in that movie, Misty, trying not to cry the whole time. Because I played 12 years in the league, and now I'm watching Costner, you know, act what I was feeling. And it, it really got to me. Yeah. No, that's one of my favorites. One of my favorite baseball movies. I mean, aside from my number one all-time favorite movie, The Bad News Bears, it's probably the second best baseball movie, Trevor. Bad News Bears? Second yeah. to what? The Bad News Bears is number one, and, and For the Love of the Game was number two. There it is. Okay. My, <laughs> I haven't seen either one of those. Well, listen, Major League is one of my top two sports uh, movies that I've seen. I haven't seen them. I haven't seen Miracle. You know, I haven't seen a lot of them. For me, going to see a sports movie is like a, a postman going for a walk after work. I know. Okay. Then how do you yeah. feel about uh, Revenge? Uh, Remember the Titans then? How do you feel about Remember the Titans? Never saw it. You never saw it? Seriously? That's... Never saw it. Oh. But I love Major League. Major League hit a lot of notes spot on, strangely enough. Like, especially when they were playing the Yankees at the end of it. Yeah. There you go. Uh, you know, just the, the way they framed that game was fantastic. And the way you, yeah. that was good. But the other one of I've seen, I would say in my top two, would be Seabiscuit. See, oh, it's very nice. It's a movie nice. about a racehorse. Very nice. And it's a movie, yeah, that, that's one of the best sports movies ever. Nunchuck! You best. rock! Listen to that. And here comes Trevor. Is that, is that Trevor and Seabiscuit? It's Trevor and Seabiscuit, nose to nose, and at the wire, it's Seabiscuit. There's the credits. There it is. And remember, Trevor, remember, the, the, bat, the Bears played the Yankees in the championship game as well. And Kelly Leak, they tried, to, they tried to walk him, Trevor, but he stepped outside and he hit it off the fence and got thrown out at home. And Tanner, and then Tanner Boyle said, "Hey, take this trophy and shove it where the sun don't shine." That's fantastic. You know what? Though all all these sports movies, you know, some are comedies, some are dramas, whatever. But I mean, if if the if the actors can be athletes enough that you can sit back and now choose to believe that they're actually playing this sport, and if they tell the story well. Then they capture the drama of the sport. And we saw so much drama, like in college football this year. We're seeing a bunch of drama in the NFL now on the field. And it's hard, I think, for sports movies to capture that 
and make it believable so you can immerse yourself in it the way you can in live sports. But when they do, it's magic. Is that the segue that we get to analyzing these games now, Trevor? Because people, yeah, tu- wanna, people were tuning in. The whole radio show. But that's okay. <laughs> I, I, I think people would probably rather hear about the movies. That's good stuff, man. There it is. Unabated to the quarterback, as I like to say. You just never know what you're going to get here. But the lesson that we learned is that is that you know Robert De Niro might be able to knock you out with one punch. You this just is, don't know. And this is where it all started with the Robert De Niro rejoiner. And uh, here we are. You know, 16 minutes later, there we go. We covered it all. The bad news bears the longest yard for the love of the game, uh, and movies that Trevor Match has never seen before. Just kind of shocking. And I get that as a football player, there's certain ones you you know you just don't want to see. I get that, but you'll see more. Of the other sport movies. I actually get that. I do understand it, Trevor. I do. I do. Yeah. All right. Say, Let's go watch a football movie. I'm like, no. <laughs> so I did for 12 years, 40 hours a week, watch football. No. I don't know. Now that you, but you're still involved in it from a broadcast. I really would like your opinion about, uh, remember the Titans though. You, you gotta, you gotta take two hours wow. and watch that. You know, it's okay, Denzel. It's Denzel. I mean, come on. He's fantastic. He's, he's a good coach. In that movie, it's a true story. You have to appreciate the true stories. Yeah, okay, I'll watch it. There you go, see. Talk to me to it. All right, uh, do I need to talk you into watching the Chiefs and the Bengals this weekend? Yeah, because that's probably going to be boring. You know, <laughs> you expect there to be good quarterbacks, good receivers, yeah. and, you know, they just don't have that. And, yeah. Um, yeah, that's that, – listen, this game – this game's crazy to, to try to handicap because – we don't know what Mahomes will be able to do. He's got a high ankle sprain. Well, let's talk and about that, Trev. The high yeah. ankle sprain. The high ankle sprain. The severity of that injury, especially for a quarterback. Talk about that. Okay. So a high ankle sprain doesn't just hurt. It weakens your ankle. I had that my rookie year. Um, and it, in, in the, in the opening game, um, you know, the, uh, I, I had to play the entire second half against the Green Bay Packers at center with an ankle that I couldn't hardly walk on. You go back and watch that game, and I'm literally, I'm limping on it, I'm hopping on it. You know, I'm, it, it's just, it's terrible pain. And then after that, it's, it's weak. You get to the point to where you can walk without limping very much, but then you try to put any pressure on it at all besides just walking straight ahead, and it's a problem. And what they did was they made a, a, a literal bionic little brace for me. So it was an exoskeleton that kind of went molded up my calf, came down, had a hinge at my ankle, and then down uh, the bottom of my foot and then kind of cradled my foot so that my foot wouldn't be able to to flop from side to side as much. But when you try to push off on that, it still hurts like crazy. So they're going to have better uh, equipment for them. And I don't know the degree to which they can numb that up. Uh, but the thing about Mahomes is that he uh, is was the best in the NFL at pass completions outside of the pocket. After he got hurt and he came back into the game last week, he didn't even attempt to pass outside the pocket. Now, they still won the game. But at the same time, now you've got a Cincinnati pass rush that is fantastic, uh, that is going to, to force him to move, force him to get off his spot. And the question will be, will he be able to do enough Mahomes magic stuff for four quarters in order to keep up with a healthy Burrow? What hampers you most as a quarterback with this injury? Because we saw – that when he came back in the second half of the game against Jacksonville on, on Sunday is that he was unable to get out of the pocket. There were no throws outside of the pocket. And then as, and is he, 
you know, what's the treatment, the rehab and, and, and that sort of thing? I mean, I mean, what is, what is his percentage, Trevor, that he's okay? If, you know, no one's a hundred percent at this point in time, but time, you know, kickoff rolls around on Sunday, you know, talk about where the ankle is going to be at that point in time. You know, it, it's hard to say TC. I think it'll be, he'll be able, he'll definitely play. I mean, he'll definitely play. I mean, he was out of practice. Apparently, oh, yeah. they said he was anyway yeah, yeah. today. So, so we'll see. But the real question will be two things. Number one, can he break the pocket? Can he get outside and actually buy time? That's thing number one. If he can do that, then everything will work with his offense. The second thing will be, can he drive the ball down the field? Because this is his plant leg. So you got to drop, plant that plant leg and throw off of it, right? And so if, if he can't drive off of that thing, it might limit the, his downfield range. And the other thing is when he's doing crazy Mahomes stuff, he is sticking his foot into the ground and cutting and jerking and just moving around in this small area to buy himself a little bit of time. He'll, he'll make a guy miss in the pocket and he'll run out to the left. And the next thing you know, somebody else will be coming and he'll stick his foot in the ground, back up, stick his foot in the ground again, move to the left and then throw. Right. Those things are the things that make him magic that move the chains and demoralize defenses. And so I don't know how he's going to be with that. That's why it's hard to, hard to handicap this game. I'm leaning Cincinnati. Um, but at the same time, I'm fascinated to see what Mahomes will physically be able to do. Mentally, he'll be able to do it, but I don't know that you can shoot numbing agents into an ankle to take away enough pain without making the ankle a piece of wood in order to make it so he doesn't have to deal with the pain. He's going to be dealing with the pain, but it's the weakness that I think is going to be the worst thing for him. Great point there. Trevor Mass joins us. Real quick, Trevor, San Francisco and Philadelphia, battle of the young quarterbacks. That's the story with Brock Purdy and Jalen Hurts. And then the battle of defenses as well, too. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I'm leaning under on this one. I think the, the total is, what, 46, I think? I mean, the, the total went under with uh, the Cowboys game. And Cincinnati, or excuse me, Philly has a better defense than the Cowboys do. And plus they'll be playing at Philly instead of a home game for San Francisco. And I I was worried that Jalen Hurts coming off of his shoulder injury would be limited against the Giants. And the thing is, he wasn't spectacular at all statistically, but he was fantastic at distributing the ball. And his guys just lit up the Giants. And so I, I think both defenses will play at a very high level. I think both sides could run the ball. To me, the biggest difference here is the quarterback position. And as great as Brock Purdy has played, I don't think he is on the level of a healthy Jalen Hurts. And Hurts showed us that he's healthy enough last week when they beat the Giants. I'm with you. I think this is a a lower-scoring game. and We've seen both teams play lower-scoring games. I understand the, you know, the appearance of both offenses makes you want to put, okay, you know, this game could, you know, be 27, 24 or 35, 31 on the surface. I could see why the total is where it is. But, um, yeah, I'm with you. I think defense is probably reign supreme in this. Uh, my friend, I appreciate it, uh, as usual. And, uh, you know, Friday we'll find out who Trevor Match's uh, best bet is. We've only got one this week, Trevor, as you well know, side, total, whatever it is. And uh, you and Marco, I mean, going head-to-head. It, it's like Marco and Trevor is Seabiscuit, you know, in Man of War right now. That's what it's looking like. Yeah, well, he's the horse. Uh, if uh, Yeah, oh, they're both horses. I got you. Yeah. Yeah, well, Seabiscuit's a little bitty horse, and Man of War is a big, massive horse. Yeah. So well, like I, said, I guess that makes me... 
Uh, you and yeah. Mar- you and Mark are I don't know you both are man of war I guess I don't know we're, we're not picking both games we're only picking one of them no no you get to pick you you get to pick both but I mean you only get to pick one as your best bet oh I only get one best bet oh yeah. no yeah wait who's ahead right now am I ahead of Marco or I, is he ahead of me now I, we have to go uh, check this out I think you guys I think you guys are, are neck and neck you're tied because I think I think Scott is actually leading the pack. Uh. Scott made a run where he must have been cheating. He was like five and one. Yeah. Then we were picking three college, three NFL. Well, like three weeks in a row. We'll, we'll like go to the website check it. Yeah, we'll check it he out. Cheated. All right. yeah. He cheated. On tkmartinshow.com slash best bets. There it is. Look, there, there's my man. All right, brother. Uh, go pipe in a movie, okay? Get some popcorn. Get a movie. There you go. As we send you out, Trevor, with one of the songs in that movie that you talked about. Great baseball movie. Kevin Costner for the love of the game. Remember this song? All the time I've known you, I still don't know what you mean. Oh, I do. Oh, yeah. Take care, brother. We're reeling in the years here. Hour number two coming your way on the other side. Kevin Kruger's going to join us. Scott Savlov talk a little golf as the hilarity continues on a wild, wacky Wednesday. Have you had enough of mine? You go down, Capital of the world. A Smith screen. Hosey will defend. Oh! LeBron James with no record for human life. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Oh! Flight 9 is cleared for landing. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. And Saul says, pay positive, big ticket. T.C. Martin. Oh, here comes the Birdman. Is now in. Uh, yes, it is a wild, wacky Wednesday, uh, evident by the first hour. So we appreciate uh, Trevor Match uh, joining us, going through the movies. How can you not be a football player and not watch football sports movies? That's crazy. It's beyond me. You know, you're a sports guy. You're you got to watch all movies. All sports movies. All right, hour number two coming to work. Scott Savloff is going to join us at the bottom of the hour. He is our PGA Tour guru. Scott, a uh, fine producer, uh, Emmy Award-winning producer for many of the PGA uh, Tour events that you see on television. All right, and uh, we start hour number two with our good friend, the head coach of the UNLV Runner Rebels, who got the victory last night, defeated Wyoming. Four Rebels in double figures last night, led by E.J. Harkless with 28 points, and the Rebels get the victory over those cowpokes from Wyoming, 86-72, the final score. And join us now, Kevin Kruger. What's up, Kev? Not too much. How are you guys doing? We're good. You know, um, we just you probably just heard me mention about uh, you know you know Trevor Manich, 12 years in the NFL, does a great job with ESPN, and we got on the subject of, of sports movies, and this is a guy that uh, – it doesn't watch football sports movies. Now, for you, Kevin, that'd be like you not ever watching Hoosiers or something like that, right? So, so where do you stand on on, on basketball sports movies? Um. Well, actually, you know what? I've actually never seen Hoosiers from start to finish. <laughs> this is amazing. Uh, Can you believe this? We're running into it's rampant today. Yeah, I've seen it like 
I have seen the movie, but I've never, I never even as a kid sat down and watched uh, Hoosiers from start to finish. Now, why is that? There has to be a reason there. Um, I don't really know. I don't really know. I mean, my parent, my parents aren't big. They weren't big movie people growing up. Right. So maybe, maybe it's something there. Okay. All right. What about, uh, you know, as you, as you got to get older, what, uh, other basketball movies, sports movies you liked, or do you just, just not a big movie guy? Um, no, I, I loved movies going through, I mean, through high school, college, even, uh, you know, professionally afterwards for a few years, but yeah, there, there might just be something too. I think I've seen most sports movies, but, uh, the ones that I like more than others usually actually weren't basketball movies. Okay. Like what? Give me, give me, give me one. Give, Kevin Kruger's uh, top three sports movies. Oh, top three. Ooh, I don't know. But, uh, you know, like Rudy would yeah. be on there. There you go. Um, uh, uh, you know, the rookie with Dennis Quaid. I think that's, I mean, that'll yeah. tug at your heartstrings forever. And, you know, little, you know, movies like that, uh, you know, they just are, are fun to watch and have a kind of a nice uh, kind of memory. And remember the Titans is a great movie. So, right. right. But uh, yeah, I probably don't know if I'd even put a basketball movie in my top three. All right. All right. Here's one for you. Before your time, you probably even know what, what this is. And it's, it's your dad might, might know, but if he didn't watch movies, Fast Break with Gabe Kaplan. Did you ever hear that one? That was, I think, like back in the 70s or the 80s. Classic. No. But I've never heard of that one. Yeah, Mavis Washington. I don't know if you know uh, she was she was a a great ladies uh, uh, professional basketball player. You know, back in the day. Uh, yeah, they dressed her up as a guy as Swish and Gabe Kaplan. You know, welcome back, Cotter was the coach. It's some like JC and, and I think it was in Texas or something like that. And he went and recruited these guys. Heck, I mean, it was like uh, it was like what Tark used to you know recruit. Uh, you know, he got these guys from everywhere, and all of a sudden they started blowing everybody away. It was a, it was a a classic, a semi comedy, um, you know, goofy way back in the day. And then of course you had Nick Nolte and Blue Chips, and you had you know all those other you know type type of movies that were kind of cool. But uh, yeah, there's one. I gotta ask you next time I see your dad, I'm gonna say, did you ever see Fast Break with Gabe Kaplan? He'll probably all look, right. He'll, yeah. probably, he'll probably look at me like I have three heads, right? He might. He might. <laughs> But, you know, he's old enough where he might, you know, he might remember that. I have no idea. But, uh, hey, man, uh, congratulations on the victory last night. Uh, I know that it had to feel good, um, you know, considering that you guys have been a little bit of a rough stretch, uh, you know, lately here. Uh, in your opinion, what was the difference uh, in last night's game? What did you see out of the guys? I um, just saw a lot more of that uh, kind of what we have had shown our DNA to be, uh, you know, win- in games that we've won. Um, there was a little bit. More of that, you know, Eli Parquet comes back into the lineup. Unfortunately, Lou Rodriguez was out last night, but still just a little bit more of our, uh, uh, kind of a little bit more of our security about what, what made us, uh, you know, feel like we had a chance to win every game early on and what, what, you know, what kind of made us feel secure and confident, um, in those games that we ended up winning. And a lot of it just had to do with, you know, just, just being confident on the defensive end and, and understanding and, and being secure that we were going to make Wyoming uh, work for it. EJ Harkless, phenomenal again, 28 points. This guy, we've talked about him before. I mean, when you need a bucket, it seems like, you know, he's the guy. What has made him so special? And he has he even exceeded expectations of what you, you thought you were going to be getting? Yeah, he's had some really good games. And, uh, yeah, especially, uh, especially early on, you know, we, uh, we leaned on him pretty heavily and, and still do. And, 
And, uh, and it, yeah, I mean, it, the Dayton game, the, you know, you know, Minnesota, Southern Illinois, a lot of those games, especially early that, that he was just really good, really solid. And, and, uh, yeah, we lean on, we lean on his experience and we lean on his, uh, his, uh, his reputation of, of being a guy that, you know, enjoys having those shots and those looks. And, and last night he did a, he did a good job of, uh, being really efficient. Four players in double figures, like we mentioned. Uh, you got to love uh, that balance. And I think what stood out for me last night is the 54% from the field and 55% from beyond the arc. You guys connected on 11 of 20. And we know that, you know, shooting the three sometimes, you know, can be very, very streaky. But, you know, when you, when you look at the offense last night, I, I think you had to be happy all the way across the board, right? Oh, no question. I think it was, it was our, our most efficient. Uh, half of the year or a game of the year, full game offensively. And, uh, no, with, without a question, uh, we, we were, you know, in tune with each other. We were, we were supportive. We were, we were talking. We were kind of, again, just go, kind of went back to, uh, to what had worked really well for us and, uh, kind of got, uh, took another step back toward having that, uh, that confidence and that swagger that, um, led to a lot of wins. Let's talk about that. I mean, when you go through this this stretch where you know you're losing these games and you lost a lot of close games too. I mean, that had to be really frustrating for you. And then we just go back. We go to the Fresno game on Saturday, and as I'm watching that game, and I don't know what it was, Kevin. I'll let you expand about about that. But you know, it just. I was expecting that you were too, that, okay, you guys are going to come out there and, and really take it to Fresno State. But it just seemed like, you know, it was, I don't know if the guys were tired or what it was. They weren't in sync, but it was just totally, like you said, a 180 degree difference from what we saw last night. Going back to that game in Fresno on Saturday, you know, and then, you know, fast forward to what we saw last night. Uh, what were the differences there? Was it approach? Was it game plan? Just uh, what what happened there? Yeah, I think uh, you know Fresno, and especially coming off of the uh, uh, of the game in uh, in Logan, you know, on this after the second half in Logan, yeah. uh, we just kind of couldn't couldn't quite carry that over to Fresno, and uh, they did a good job making some shots and and uh, attacking and. And, uh, made, made it hard for us to get shots off and get good looks at it. So, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where you'd love to be able to put your finger on it and just change it immediately. But, um, it, I, I think it's just, you know, that's, that's why we love sports. You know, sometimes it's, uh, <laughs> things go one way, sometimes they go another. How much of that is attributed to, you know, being on the road when, you know, you have some games, like even the, the Utah State game where you guys lost. I mean, you guys led for a good part of that game. You're in the game. It just came down to, you know, the final couple possessions there. You're playing in front of another raucous crowd, you know, just like you did, uh, when you played at New Mexico and, you know, that place in Logan was, was rocking. But you guys, it was just, you know, a couple bad breaks there. And then you go to Fresno and I don't know if it's like middle of the afternoon, you know, half empty, more than half empty place. And then, Again, then you you have that kind of effort. D- does the road kind of do that to you? Where you know, just sometimes you just know you don't know what you're going to get. Um. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you, that could definitely be something that maybe maybe with. I mean, some teams play better on the road. Some teams yeah. play uh, don't play as well on the road. But um, you know, this is also a team that you know we, we've we've shot it better on the road. We've guarded better on the road. And we've taken care of the ball better on the road. So, uh, 
Um, I don't know if it could be something that simple, but um, yeah, I think, I mean, of course there's, there's a home court advantage for a reason. And uh, I think it goes down to familiarity, but um, again, it's, it's, yeah, I'd love to just put our finger on it and say that's what it was, but um, unfortunately, it's not that simple. Kevin Kruger joins us, the head coach of the UNLV Rudden Rebels. Uh, Rebels 2-6 and six in Mount West Conference play. Obviously, like we talked about, Kevin, not where you wanted to be, but hey, you got the victory last night. That's a, a good springboard moving forward here. Uh, what has the demeanor been like of the guys you know, going through this? I think it'd be, it would surprise a lot of people at how positive everyone stayed. Um, you know, like you said, we've had a couple of games where shots, uh, the shots that went in against us were, were, uh, shots we'd probably allow our opponent to take on most nights. Sure. And, yeah. and, uh, so, you know, it's, it, I think the, the positivity has stayed at about as high as it could be for, uh, you know, yeah, for being in a position that we're not really, uh, we weren't expecting to be in a month ago. So. Uh, but no, the guys have, have been very professional about the approach and, uh, continue to work. And I think, you know, Wyoming, of course, going through injury struggles as well, but, you know, we didn't just go out there and, and sleepwalk through it. You know, it was a, it was an earned win where, where we were focused. We, we guarded the ball better. We played better offensively and, and definitely wouldn't have come out with a win last night had we not. Yeah. You know, it's sad, and I think it's true, you know, that you can learn about your team when you face adversity. What have you learned or noticed uh, about them over the course of this period? Um, I think what what we noticed the most was that, you know, there's a lot of season left to be played. There's a lot of things that can happen, and if we if we can kind of stay positive and kind of see the uh, not the not the end, but if we can still see that the the work, you know, the, that the that goes into winning games. If we can still take that approach every day, then uh, you know that we could still end up finishing on a great note and, and having fun, still getting better. You know, we still got ten games left, and and uh, you know, there's there's no reason to to hang it up just yet. Yeah, you're right, and I think it's real easy to sell to the guys as well too, because like you said, they they are so positive. And you go back to what you did earlier on the season. You started off 10 and 0. You got some very good quality non-conference wins. And you do have 10 games left. And there's, you know, plenty of games that you guys can win going forward. And then again, you know, with the Mountain West Conference tournament, I mean, there, there's a lot of opportunity here. And as we all know, if you get hot here at the end, I mean, you guys could still be in, in a great position to win the conference tournament and, and maybe even go to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all those things. Like, we, you want to be playing your best basketball at the end of January and February, and, and there's, there's really just no reason to think that just because we've lost a few that we didn't think we should or that we would love to play again, that uh, we shouldn't try to still, you know, get, uh, get just toward our best for uh or late February and March. You mentioned Eli Parquet back. Uh, how has he performed uh, since he's returned? Oh, he's been great. I mean, he, he he was a little rusty in the Fresno game coming back. Um, and then also, of course, Lou going out at the beginning of that game kind of changed things a little bit, uh, especially for Eli of, of his rotation and minutes and, and kind of what was expected of him. But uh, I thought he did, he did a great job last night guarding the ball, uh, putting a lot of pressure on the on the ball handler, staying in front of the ball. I mean, he's an elite defender, and uh, you know that's what uh, that's what he's shown. He he does well, and that, and that he wants to do. 
And so I think uh, I'm just really excited for him to be back and, and of course, be able to finish out uh, his career playing. You know, it's not uh, he's not going to be sitting on the on the sideline and watching, which uh, is what he deserves. You mentioned Rodriguez, uh, you know, missing last night. Uh, what's the uh, prognosis for him? Um, he's been jogging around. He's been running around a little bit, so uh, he's doing better today. But you know, it, as of today, deciding for Reno, it'd be too early to tell. Uh, I think it's a game time decision, and and we'll just kind of go from there. All right, Rebels host uh, UNR coming up on Saturday night at 7 o'clock. The rivalry, always look forward to, to that game. Kevin, when you look at the Reno team this year, what do you see? I see a really good physical uh, defensive-minded team that plays really well together and um, is continuing to play better as the year goes on. Had a huge win over New Mexico um, uh, on Monday night and uh, it's a rivalry game, so I know the guys will be excited for it, and, and the fans will be excited for it. So um, it, it it should be a good one. Is there any extra, you know, bulletin board material or talking to the guys when you face you, this team? Because it is a rivalry, but let's face it, with the transfer portal and and you have new guys come in and out every every year, a lot of them may not even understand the rivalry. So. Do you spend some extra time talking about that, or how do you approach that? Um, no, I think they know when they get here. You know, it's it's definitely uh, discussed, um, not even from us, but you know, around the the, the campus right. and the and the and the community. So, uh, but yeah, with the portal, the portal definitely changes things. Uh, some rivalries and and you know, guys that come in or guys that leave or new or or whatever might ha- not have the same. Uh, dislike in terms of the rivalry game as, as uh, someone else, but but uh, no, we just we got to treat it like any any game. Uh, got to understand we got to get better at home and do better for home games, and uh, and that we got another opportunity to do that on Saturday. And you know, you're probably a perfect example of that. You know, when you were playing and you came over from Arizona State, came over for UNLV for for one year, did you have the wherewithal or I guess the appreciation of, of the rivalry here, you're dealing with Arizona, Arizona state, and then you come in and, and what was your, you know, uh, thoughts when you, okay, Hey, you know, this is, this is a team that uh, is our rival, this and that. I mean, did, did we, while you're walking around campus, how long did it take you to get this instant hatred for those guys wearing blue? Um, it was a little bit different because also at that time we weren't in the same conference. That's true. So, uh, That's right. You know, right. there was, there was a little bit different. I mean, it was definitely a rivalry, but at the same time, uh, you know, you knew you were going to play New Mexico twice, BYU twice. Uh, so uh, even though it was a rivalry game, and of course the the fans and the crowd, we only played up there my year. We didn't get to play them here. So uh, it, it, while it carried a little bit of weight um, at that time, it, it was definitely a little bit different. But as the years have gone on, you know, there's an understanding that, uh, you know, the cannons red, which it is this year, and, and we got to get them uh, twice in basketball. There you go. All right, uh, final thing here uh, for Kevin Kruger as the Rebels get ready to host Reno on Saturday at 7 p.m. Again, coming off that big victory last night, keep that momentum going. What do you, what do you got to do? What's your mindset? And, you know, what's your points of emphasis the next couple of days in practice? Um, just to build off of, of what we did on uh, uh, last night. You know, and, and understand that we, we can get that back. 
And we can get that swagger back and that confidence back, but it's not just going to happen. It goes into the prep. It goes into how we do everything every day. And uh, guys did a really good job, really good job getting ready for Wyoming, understanding it's, a, it's hard to win conference games and that um, if, for us to have a chance to win them, we've got to be locked in. You got it. All right, my man, we appreciate it. We'll look forward to seeing you on Saturday. All right, have a good one. Appreciate you. You got it. There he is, Kevin Kruger, uh, our guy there. Does a fantastic job there and uh, joined us. And again, the Rebels went through a little tough, tough streak there, man. You know, dumping five games in a row and two and six in the Mountain West, but they get the victory last night. And it was the game they were supposed to win. I mean, they were a six, seven and a half point favorite in the game last night. Wyoming's pretty banged up. They've had a down year. They've had a lot of injuries. But uh, UNLV, again, they've had stretches. It's been a very streaky season thus far for UNLV. Start off uh, the season 10-0. Mitchin had a lot of quality non-conference wins. When you beat Dayton, who is ranked 21st in the country, uh, that was great. Then you beat a Big Ten team in Minnesota who's usually very, very good. Southern Illinois, you get a victory against them. You have a heartbreaking loss at the buzzer to USF. You know, San Francisco, that was tough. And then you... uh Come back and, and then you get, uh, you know, other, an, another victory against a team that was ranked uh, 21st, uh, in the nation, um, at that time, uh, as, as well too. You know, when you, uh, beat, uh, you know, New Mexico. So, and on the road when they beat them 84 to 77. So not to make any excuses, but when the Rebels start off the Mountain West Conference play, kind of felt like, okay, they had an easy one to open against San Jose State. They went on their own. They lost that game 75-72, and you know they wish they could have had that one back. But then you got to face perennial powers and perennial not only Mount West Conference, you know, you know, tournament, you know, contenders, but NCAA tournament contenders in San Diego State, New Mexico, Boise State, Colorado State, Utah State, and Fresno State. And that's tough. That's tough. Now, Fresno State down a little bit this year. And, you know, we see Utah State coming back to where they've been. I mean, they've been a a tournament team the last few years. Colorado State, we know, has been, well, uh, very good. And then, of course, Boise State and San Diego State. Um, You know what you're going to get with them. So looking at the rest of the schedule for UNLV. So they've got Reno here at home on Saturday. Then they got to go back on the road to Colorado State next Tuesday night. Then they come back home, hopefully get a revenge against Fresno State. That's going to be on Friday night, February the 3rd. And then you got Wyoming. You got to travel up there, who you just beat. All right, but still, tough place to play. And Wyoming, coming into the season, they were kind of one of the league favorites. But again, the injuries kind of decimated them a little bit. And then you close at San Diego State, get a home game against San Jose State, Got to go back on the road to Boise State. Never an easy place to play. And then you've got Air Force at home and Utah State at home. And then you close against your rival at Nevada. So you can look at the schedule, and it's really hard with this Mountain West Conference to kind of pencil in wins and losses. It it is, because look how inconsistent things have been, not just from the Rebel standpoint, but the rest of the conference I mean, there's been upsets galore during during the course of this. And when you look at the, the standings, and we have talked about this, it's like you can make a case maybe for any one of six teams to win this conference tournament. Now, as over time, San Diego State has kind of distanced themselves a little bit, but they're beatable. 
Boise State as well. You see those two guys. But then, again, New Mexico State, Utah State, even Reno. They've come up with uh, a, a lot of a lot of big wins. But it looks like you can probably say that Colorado State and Wyoming probably not going to be uh, there. And San Jose State and Air Force, they're going to be where they always are, even though San Jose State got that opening Mount West Conference victory uh, against the Rebels. I expect the Rebels to pay them back when they face here in a couple weeks. So we'll see. All right, so appreciate Kevin Kruger for joining us. Get on out to the game. Remember, it's a rivalry game. All right, it's big. UNLV, UNR. Uh, if you only go to a couple games during the course of the year, this is the one you want to go to. Plus, it's a weekend game. It's Saturday night at 7 o'clock. You want to be there. You want to support the the Scarlet and Gray. So get out there. They have all kinds of uh, great specials that are, are, are going on, too, with food and beverage at the Thomas & Mack Center. So make sure that uh, you get your tickets. Real easy to go, on to, go to the Rebels website uh, for your tickets and uh, be ready for the game coming up on Saturday night. Uh, looking, at, looking out for that one. And, uh, again, you know, Reno, they're solid. Very solid this year. Go to UNLVTickets.com or call 702-739-FANS. That's 702-739-3267. Or you can go in person to the Thomas and Mack Center box office as well. Go a lot of, a lot of choices there, but uh, love to see everybody out there, you know, rooting the rebels on Saturday night against UNR. All right. Uh, don't forget great upcoming shows to uh, at uh, the at the Westgate we've got Cool and the Gang coming up on January or rather February 10th um and the 11th get out there for that that's fantastic other upcoming shows um again our great partners at Live Nation uh Ringo Starr and his All-Star Band happening on um May 24th 26th and 27th okay we'll have tickets uh, to give away for that here in the upcoming weeks, but tickets are now on sale and that show at the Venetian theater also, uh, coming up, uh, David Spade and Nikki Glasser, uh, great comedy coming your way at the Venetian as well. And, um, tickets go on sale Friday at 10 a.m. for that. So get ready for all the laughs as comedians David Spade and Nikki Glasser are teaming up on select weekends, April the 28th through November 18th at the Venetian theater in Las Vegas. And you can grab your tickets starting this Friday for um, a plethora of shows. Those shows coming up are going to be April 28th and 29th, June 30th and July 1st, September 29th and 30th, and November 17th and 18th. And remember, tickets go on sale at 10 a.m. Friday, so get them there. We will also have tickets to give away coming up in the coming weeks as well, too, but you can get your tickets starting Friday at Ticketmaster.com. And then also just announced uh, coming up here, Van Morrison. Uh, is going to be back in concert in September at the Zappos Theater at Planet Hollywood. And tickets are going to go on sale uh, February the 10th for that. So that's coming up. So a lot of great shows that we're involved with and uh, very, very happy with our partners at the uh, Westgate as well as Live Nation and the uh, Zappos Theater at Planet Hollywood and the Venetian as well. All right. So as you know, hey, sports, music, we have it all covered for you, including comedy uh, on the show here. I will make it a little comedy with our next guest coming up as well, too. Scott Savlot will join us, uh, the fine uh, director of PGA Tour events and television programs as well. He joins us. We talk a little PGA and Live Golf Tour next. Hey, this is Tyson Fury, a.k.a. the Gypsy King. And I'm here today ripping it up with T.C. Martin. 
All right, continuing on here in a wild, wacky Wednesday edition. Appreciate Kevin Kruger uh, joining us. Uh, Trevor Maddich a little bit earlier. And, of course, uh, it seemed like it's turned into nonstop movie talk today as well, too. And that could be a dangerous subject with our next guest as well, too, because... You know, he could he could he could go outside the box with the best of them. No doubt about that. We're talking about our good friend Scott Savloff, who uh directs uh, so many different uh, PGA tour events, our golf gurus I like to call them. My friend, what is happening? Keith, I miss you, dude. It, it you know, the hiatus from golf just just puts me on the shelf. I, you know, get the mothballs out and ready to roll. It does. It does. I, and, I, and I feel like you know we are so seasonal on this show here, and that usually happens a lot with our guests that, you know, we only keep in touch with them or have them on, you know, as certain, you know, events and sports and games are relevant and everything. But I mean, you're right. You've got to be, you got to be on more frequent. I mean, plain and simple, because like I said, you're, you're more than just golf, my friend, you know, and then every time when I hear one of these like, crazy golf stories, I go, okay, I got to reach out to Scott, you know, no doubt about it. But, um, well, on, on the, on the movie, you know, I did an event, I produced an event, at the very beginning of December, it was a, a fun pro-am, uh, for my, my, my group Omega. They, they had this event. We did it in, in kind of near Palm Beach and Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> and we're doing a round table, little chit chat with our boy Rory, the number one player <laughs> in the world. And so everyone's asking him all, you know, technical questions. And I asked him, name your favorite Sports movies. <laughs> wow, golf, you must have been sports. listening today. This is amazing. This is amazing. All right, go ahead. There you go. Yep. There you go. So his, which which surprised me, and, and I have great stories about his number one pick, in which he didn't know. I I, I you know where to go with that because you know I'm like, and he's staring at me like, oh geez, where did I go? Why am I bringing this to him? <laughs> but. He said, uh, of course, Caddyshack is his favorite golf movie, which, you know, it's like, okay, it's kind of predictable. Of course. But, you know, it, it's of a course. classic. It's a classic, you know, especially for a guy that uh, has a little sense of humor. You know, he's going to go right. with Caddyshack, youngster. Sure, I get it. Yeah. You know, so meanwhile, he's, he's, he's you know, tickling uh, Patrick Reed and they're throwing teas at each other over <laughs> right. in the, you know, in the Middle East. So go, go figure, but but that aside, his number one sports movie is Moneyball. Oh, really? Okay, I like it. Yeah, I like it. And so now I, I've known Billy Bean since I'm like 18 years old. Mm-hmm. So when all of a sudden, uh, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm talking to him and he's trying to tell me about the movie, I'm like, yeah, tell me something that I don't know about. <laughs> And it was great because I was giving him like real Billy Bean stories. And he said, well, you know, in the movie, I I said, let me tell you something. That guy could dunk a basketball from a standing position with either hand. That's how good an athlete Billy Bean was. That movie sucks because it makes him seem like a frustrated, you know, and, and Billy did say, and I'm letting the cat out of the bag, which anybody who knows his face, Brad Pitt may be in the worst athlete he's ever seen. They couldn't do anything <laughs> making that movie. Right. Because he couldn't throw a ball, couldn't catch a ball, and couldn't swing a bat. 
Uh, I know you said the dude can act. Yeah. He's a gorgeous guy, right? Just a good looking 60 year old man. Mm. But boy, oh boy, you, you, you just couldn't even, you know, throw a little softball. That's not going to happen. And and that's the thing. You got to sacrifice the acting, the name recognition for that. And it's so funny you bring that up, Scott, because we were talking about that, you know, earlier on the show with our different guests about actors who, you know, are athletes. And it's, you know, it's funny. So Trevor Madge started this thing earlier because you know, I have a rejoiner, the Robert De Niro. And he's going, hey, right. you know, Robert De Niro, I just wonder, was he really a good boxer? You know, you know, this, and then it just took off to all these different things. And then you're, you're talking about Billy Bean, well, you know, but you know, going back to that movie, I mean, knowing Billy the way you did and everything and knowing the, that franchise and the A's and that story, did they nail it? I thought they kind of nailed the story part, but what about the Billy part, the Billy-isms and all that? Did they nail that, or was it so far off? There are a lot of similarities in in his in his little nuances that you could see how Brad Pitt kind of pulled from. Um, did Billy kind of, you know, go off the rails, you know, and you know, drive in circles. I don't know. It's great theater, uh, you know, when he's frustrated with the team. Uh, but at the end of the day, did, did he do that, dismantle the team to Art Howe? And, and was Art Howe a great manager? It, it, and, and my point is, is Art Howe managing right now? <laughs> right. Billy Bean's still there. Yep. Art Howe ain't. Right. So, now, again, I'm biased. You know, I'm looking at my boy going, he's pretty smart. You know, they, they show him being pretty smart. And it wasn't just that he was looking in red, you know, and, and the, you know, the, the character that he, he met at, you know, at the Cleveland, you know, team that he bought. You know, a lot of that's a lot of bunk. You know, there's other people. There's a team of people that kind of help uh, um, the, the James theory of, of dismantling the A's. But at the end of the day, it's Billy Bean and, and Sandy Alderson. And, you know, it, it, they're pretty smart baseball guys. Um, but the nuances of Billy Bean, dead on. That that guy, uh, he would want beat to beat you to playing checkers. <laughs> I love it. You know what I mean? Billy is a competitive dude. So- and, 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 and the fact is, the reason he didn't go to college at Stanford, because he had a full ride at Stanford, because they got a guy named John Elway there, right in right field, hmm. and and so that kind of, you know, excuse me, at, my bad, at quarterback, John Elway was the quarterback and played right field, but quarterback of Stanford, and that's why Billy didn't go to play football, at Stanford. right, right. So but that's that part's true. When you get into the golf realm of it because we had talked to, to trevor and trevor's going you know i don't watch football movies he goes i yeah. you know, played the game so long and it just i just you know I'm, I'm anti-football movies you know even though we did talk a little bit about the longest yard but for the most part he stayed away now with you and we with you with the golf all right yeah. do you how how critical are you because i'm very critical with all these sports movies because i love them but i throw them out you know i throw them off my list immediately if they are 
you know, far-fetched. They don't have the story right. Uh, they don't have the uniforms right. They don't have the stadium right. They, you know, all of that, it, it, it's out for me. I could, I could give you a laundry list of stuff that irritates me with that. How are you with the golf stuff? Since you produce these things yourself, are, are, are you, are there some good golf ones, some bad golf ones, or do you just can't stand any of them? You know, Bagger Vans to me was a beautiful looking movie. Okay. It had all the nuances, uh, you know, of Bobby Jones. It had the nuances, uh, of that time period where, you know, you, they, they that's how they dress. That's how they acted. When you watch Matt Damon swing, what the heck? It, it's like you got to cast a guy. He's a great actor. Matt Damon's a great actor, really a brilliant person. But there's no conceivable way that guy's hitting a ball <laughs> with Bobby Jones. Right. Maybe, you know, maybe he can stick going, to pokers, right? You're saying stick to poker. Stick to whatever you do. He's a great Jason Bourne. Yeah, he's a right. I mean, you watch that. He is. Yeah, a great but come on, actor. he probably. But what we're saying about that, he probably can't fire a gun either. You know. Well, that don't go there. But <laughs> what we would say is that he was in. Yeah, he was a Martian. He was in yeah. Mars. He great actor. Can he swing a golf club? Hell no. <laughs> All right. Hell no. Kevin Costner. How is how is Costner's swing? A guy that you know very well. I would say it's a very good swing and 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 that movie has a lot of really good stuff. I mean, Gary McCord was a technical advisor on that. McCord, fun guy, great golf swing, pure as can be. Uh, you know, great ball striker. Costner covered that pretty well. Uh you know, Trikinian, who I knew exceptionally well, who was the executive producer of, of CBS's golf with Jimmy Nance, who I'm yeah. friends with and, and Kenny Venturi in there and all that's really good stuff. And, and McCord on the course, I like, I love tin cups, golf stuff, you know, living in the trailer back then that, you know, guys were still not making ungodly money as they are today. Now, if you don't have a shared net jet deal, you suck. <laughs> You're right. And that, right? that was my take with Tin Cup, the same thing, you know? I mean, the driving range stuff and all the other stuff, you could have that. But when he it was at the tournament and that those scenes, especially incorporating CBS the way they did, and the score, the music, all that stuff. I mean, I, I think they nailed it. And like you said, with Nance and Venturi and McCord, to me, that was a highlight. I could fa fast forward that movie or pick that movie up when they start the U.S. Open, and I'm good to the end. You know what I'm saying? Maybe a scene or two at the Waffle House, I'm good with that too. You know what I'm saying? But for the most part, yeah. that when they well, were on that course. Hey, by the way, uh, Scott, because I know you know this, where did they film that out? What course was that? You know, uh, somewhere in North Carolina, right? Something like that, but it's not Pinehurst. Okay. And I'll tell you why. If I'm Pinehurst and if that's what you're representing, it's in God awful, you know, greens are rolling at like yeah. six, you know, where you, you're putting, it's like a shag carpet. They're so slow. It, there's no way, you know, there's a, you know, the quality of golf courses today 
and and the pride that they take when they do that, there would be no way that they could say that that's the U.S. Open and doing a movie like that. No way they would do that today. Mm-hmm. So if you said, could you do that again today? Yes, you could definitely do Tin Cup again. But now you got to get technically right. you got to get a golf course that looks like it could be a U.S. Open golf course, not not like a Muni. And that's what it looked like to me. And, and I'm not I, I'm not knocking Tory Pines is hosted with the where the guys are playing today. That's a Muni. It's a city park, but that's damn hard, right? You know, you know yeah. Uh, there's no way that the greens roll like that. And so th- the technical stuff, I would just wish into that's where I wish it could get a little better um, in Tin Cup. But from a golf movie. Uh, you know, there's not that many of them that I would say to you, you know, Goldfinger is pretty cool. <laughs> you, know, you got an odd job crushing a golf ball. Go ahead and try to crush a golf ball. Knock yourself out. You know, that's th- cool to me. Yeah. See, it, see what you're looking at with the golf course. I don't think I've ever heard anyone describe it like that. It looked like a muni course because the average person isn't going to notice that. But see, those are the things that I notice in baseball and basketball movies. When you're saying that, you know, this is Madison Square Garden, we know that it's not Madison Square Garden. It's the old LA right. sports arena. That drives me nuts. Angels in the outfield. You're trying to tell me that that is Anaheim Stadium and it's not. It's Oakland. You can clear see it's Oakland. It drives me nuts. You know, that kind of stuff. I, I lose it, you know, with that. And, and it, so many, you say it's a stadium. It's like, okay, major league. It's not Cleveland. No TP out there. Okay. It's Milwaukee's County stadium. It, you know, right. it just, it, it's stuff like that that drives me nuts. And it's like, but, but okay, you, wait a minute. You're going to film this. You tell me that Cleveland municipal stadium isn't going to give you the, the okay to, to film there, but you go to Milwaukee and they're going to let you do it. It makes no sense. None. Now, now look, when you do the casting for the natural, okay. So many of those guys probably never played baseball in their life. Oh yeah. Right. Right. Ground ball. A third guy looks like he's going to fall down and fart. I mean, it's just (laughs) preposterous watching that. The last scene of that movie is heartbreaking to me as a baseball person heartbreaking because here's the greatest player like in baseball history, supposedly Roy Hobbs and his son throws the ball like that. Come on, cut that scene out of that movie. You can't have Roy Hobbs son throw the ball like that. (laughs) It's unacceptable. It's like watching Tom Cruise throw goose's tags. There's no way Tom Cruise ever played baseball. Yeah. Right. Right, or any sport for that matter, right? Never throw that, never allow that guy to throw something. That's just unacceptable. Get rid of that. Cut that out of the movie. That bothers me. That's it. It, 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 It's when you get these these scenes and you're trying to look like golf and a guy doesn't have a golf swing. He plays baseball, doesn't have a throw ball, catch a ball, hit a ball. That's problematic. Could you cast the big seven-footer Big Bill Cartwright in a golf movie? No. <laughs> I'll just say that right out of the gate. There, there's a zero. If it's a, if it's a comedy, oh yeah. Uh, no one is more analytical of his swing before and after his swing than that seven footer. Yeah. <laughs> because he, yeah, I'm trying to. 
yeah. And it's like, just hit the ball, man. <laughs> now, his grip, here's the thing. Well, as Rodney would say, as Rodney Dangerfield said to Cash, while we're young. It is just literally, I have to shave again. <laughs> Be, yeah, before the round and after round. That's how long that round takes. It takes forever. Now, here's the thing. Every club in that bag is a driver shaft. That's the that's what makes it cool playing golf with Cartwright. All right, all right. Driver shaft wedge. Go ahead, go go, go ahead, uh, Rory. Pick that bad boy up and try to hit it. Yeah. And with you, five grips, and you'll get five, some. And you'll get some salsa dancing. You get some salsa dancing as well too with him. Well, well yes. Yeah, yeah and he is a magnificent salsa dancer. He'll he'll let you know that exactly. But you know, he, had, he here's some breaking news here. Uh, Scott Savlock joins us, our our golf guru and and, and fine PGA you know tour um, you know television producer at large. Here, I understand that you're you're not playing recently. That you're injured, and I had no idea. As Cartwright was telling me, you know, earlier today that. I had no idea that you messed around with, you know, playing football or, or basketball or whatever, that you have this de- debilitating injury right now and you had to have surgery. Are you okay? No, no here, here, here's the best part about it. Right. I, I did have to have surgery. Yeah. He, he, of course, exaggerated the truth. But, but the, 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 the fact is, in late 2019, I'm playing in the tournament. And I hit down and it was a, 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 in the fairway, but it's a right next to a bunker. And I hit down and there was a root that was under the ground. And I hit down through the ball and my left arm, the club hit the root and my, my left arm went numb for like five minutes, literally. That's and it terrible. kept hurting all day. And I never, cause I had never done anything like that and it just kept hurting. And I'm like, all right, whatever. You know, and I just thought maybe it was like a stinger or something. So I went a little while with it, played, and it was just, I'm like, man, this thing hurts. So a buddy of mine who uh, is, is one of the owners of the, of the Padres sets me up with their guy, their doc. And he's also the Chargers doc, so it's pretty good. I go in there, and he says, you know, but this is the beginning of COVID. So... He, you know, you're wearing masks. You, you have to go in when they, when they call you in. You're in the parking lot. There, remember, at the beginning of COVID, it was so weird. You couldn't like just walk in a doctor's office and go have an MRI. None of that. Everything shut down. So he just said, "Hey, it's probably just tennis elbow." I'm like, "Uh huh." <laughs> so he gave me a cortisone shot and felt good for a while, for like four months. And then it started aching, aching, and then like, yeah, four months later, another one. And that progressed until this past year, I went for a cortisone shot, and it didn't even affect it. It just hurt all the time. So I went in for an MRI, and and then he called me the next day, hey, I don't know how you've been playing golf this whole time. You have a torn tendon and a ligament. I'm like, you're the idiot that told me I had tennis elbow. (laughs) So, So, you know, yeah. you know, Cartwright. You know what Cartwright is is going to say is like golf. I mean, you you got surgery for playing golf. I mean, are you kidding yeah, me? He, I mean, not a contact sport. Scott Savlov yeah, is and, injured playing golf. Like, come on, that's kind of soft, man. Well, that's no his, his way of saying it's just toughen up. 
Yeah. Can you just toughen up a little bit on the air? You know, we got to got to get you toughened up. A Put some bit. dirt on it, right? Exactly. Yeah, rub, if it's not if there's no blood, it you ain't hurt. Huh. And, and your major malfunction, num nuts. <laughs> exactly. So he, he, it's true. So I had the surgery, and I got like four more weeks mm-hmm. until I get the the checker. You know, get the green flag go. And uh, but I get to start. You know, went in there. And uh, I could start putting uh, this weekend, which is cool. Chipping next week, some slowly ramping up, so I can start playing again. But but it is true, I've been on the shelf, and uh, but but I but I did have a, a great golf event that I produced, and that gave me an appreciation of watching. You know, I'm on the range and I'm watching Rory McIlroy swing, and I got to tell you. There's a reason that dude's number one. Yeah. Hey, let's talk about this situation. You brought it up, and I wanted to talk with you about this today. But as you know, Rory McIlroy is the most vocal critic of the of the Live Tour, and we've talked about that before. And he took some time away, and he comes back, and he's playing this week in Dubai, the Dubai Classic, and he's on the driving range, and he runs into Patrick Reed, and we know they, they got a little heated rivalry here. Uh, and I'll let you pick up the story from there. Reed wants to talk, and and – Rory wants nothing to do with it and, and ignores him. And so Reed being, you know, showing the maturity throws a T at him, Boy, you know, Ooh, he showed him, you know, threw a T at him. That that's golf fighting, you know, throwing a T at each other. Right. right. And, uh, uh, but, but, but here's the thing, you know, where they're digging in is these guys, they, uh, they really, you know, have gone at each other, you know, the, the live guys feel disrespected because yeah, some of them have left to take care of their families. And again, it, it's real easy when you're making the kind of money Rory is. If I'm a guy that all of a sudden somebody offers me $50 million, that, yeah, a journeyman's going to get offered $50 million. I'd say, Hey Rory, I'm never going to be, in the winter circle with you, especially at majors, these, these, these guys are paying me 50 million bucks. I got to go. Right. And if you can't respect him taking care of his family, that's one thing where it gets real dicey or when these guys want to come back and play in the majors and want their world rankings, that's where a guy like Rory and the integrity of the hurt that it's putting on the PGA tour uh, from live tour. Right. And so you, you, you look at what really is happening. The, the, the CW, right. The CW network is in partnership with the live tour. Does that really send fear to CBS <laughs> and NBC? Yeah. Not no. at all. Not at all. Not at all. Right. The, and, and someone asked me, well, why, why is that bad? I, it's not bad. It's just, first of all, you have to find the CW network because there's stations. All, it's a hodgepodge. Mm. And without having strong affiliates, there's no promotion. So it's going nowhere fast. Well, well we, knew okay, these, so, we know these guys have a heated rivalry. And like you said, that he said, McElroy said, Patrick came up and said hello. I didn't want uh, to talk to him. But, uh, and then again, you know, there, there's that uh, lawsuit that I guess was, was filed by Reed against McElroy, right? I mean, Rory was served with a subpoena. Yep. So, I mean, this is real. 
Uh, it's it's a, it's an ugly situation, and Rory wants no part of any reconciliation whatsoever. So we got to get going here. But, but quick take, you know, on that. You know, I, I I think when you when you use the word litigate, I don't care who you are, you want nothing to do with that person ever again. Yeah, that's real. Yep. And anybody who ever heard the word litigate? I had a neighbor say to me, "We're going to sue you." Never talked to him again. It was it was stupid. And so now you're talking about millions of dollars and a guy like Patrick Reed, you know, who's never been loved on tour for whatever reason, never been loved. And here's Rory, one of the most beloved guys in the world of golf. Uh, you're not going to get them. You know, Rory's not going to throw down the olive branch when Patrick Reed was trying to smear him. And I got to give Rory the credit for taking the high road as opposed to saying something to him under his breath or something that could have been picked up, you know, negatively. Ignoring him is is, is kind of taking the high road in a little bit, right? And if Patrick Reed wanted to rise out of him, you know, he he ignored him. He he he. It was like having like something on his shoe just just wipe it off move on move on yeah all right scott savloff i appreciate uh, the time as always man Uh, great stuff we'll definitely have you on more because again so much stuff to catch up on especially as we get into our 2023 golf season right now my friend but recuperate be well and get to vegas uh you know the seven footer will be here for a couple weeks here in march let's go man get you out here march madness with with you guys that's good stuff that's it Book it, buddy. All right. Thanks, Thanks. DC. Good hearing you. Yeah. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it. All right. right. Take care. Appreciate Scott Savloff for joining us uh, today. Great, fantastic. A PGA uh, tour producer on the television side. Great stories there. Trevor Maddich, ESPN, of course, our guy, talking a little playoff football. Kevin Kruger, the head coach of the UNLV Runner Rebels. Appreciate him as well. All right. For all of the wackiness, the wildness, go back and check it out at tcmartinshow.com. It's all there. Wherever you get your podcasts, go there or to the website. You can get the everything there on the website, all the podcasts, and plus the current interviews, past interviews, and everything up on the website. Check it all out. Back at it again tomorrow. More handicap and start diving really deep into the AFC and NFC Championship game. Scott Spritzer is going to join us. Steve Berline, a whole lot more. And, of course, we're at the Westgate inside the world-famous Superbook coming your way on Friday. Have a good one. We're back at it tomorrow at 2.